How's it going, everyone? This is episode two of my newly named podcast, The Lone Ranger. This is your host, Dan Loney. Uh, I am going to continue with our conversational piece, and I have uh, brought in my friend and roommate, Cody Martin. Cody. How are you guys doing? Uh, Cody is a good friend of mine. Uh, we've been living together for the past three years, and, and uh, so Cody, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, no. Um, I'm a senior here at Missouri State, um, and I just grew up in Lebanon, Missouri, which is about an hour north of here-ish. Um, just a smaller um, farming town, and just grew up in church my whole life. Um, but I really didn't know to come to Lord, come to know the Lord until freshman year of college. Um, grew up in a more of a conservative background. I would say that I'm more right-leaning myself. Um, so growing up in that small country town, we just didn't hear too much about racism or sexism. Um, and that's what we talk a lot about, um, here at Missouri State, um, what, what it is, um, how we can go about it, how we approach that. Um, and there's a lot of different viewpoints. So yeah, Cody and I were having a conversation the other night and, and I'm, I'm about to ask you um, about the class that you're taking, but it, it is, it's hard for, for us. We are in fact, uh, white middle-class Christian conservative leaning men. And, and these types of conversations that, uh, we've been experiencing here in college are, are difficult for us. I think to, they're tough. Yeah. But yeah. They're, they're, they're t- needed. They're needed. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that, I mean, that's what I want to bring you onto this podcast to talk about is, hey, how, how do we actually uh, step into these conversation with a humble approach? There needs to be a, a, a humility for us because we've grown up a certain way. Um, we, we're, we're biased. We, we have just an understanding that, um, that things should go a certain way and, and it's not always the case. And so, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about here on this podcast, episode number two. Here's the overall theme that we're actually going to be talking about. I'm, I'm really excited. Is the Bible, is the Bible, the Holy Scriptures uh, that, that Christians uh, adhere to, is the Bible a tool used for oppression or for liberation? Let, let me say that again. Is the Bible a tool that Christians use for oppressing others or for liberating others. And so <clears throat> uh, I, I've sought out five different resources that, um, that will blend together the two topics of sexism and racism. These are two topics that, that you uh, previously just mentioned. Um, and they're two topics that, honestly, they're, they're difficult for us to, to step into, but that doesn't mean... It doesn't mean that we shouldn't, uh, and, and we have to be learned. We have to uh, come in with humility and be able to be teachable in these areas. And so, I want I wanted you, Cody, to to share w- with the listeners about the class that you're taking because honestly, that that's the inspiration for this episode is <clears throat> what you're sharing with me from that class. So yeah, which which one? Uh, the, the the women in religion. So yeah, this is. Uh, I'm in a class this year, like I was telling you. It was women in religion. Um, 
the reason why I took that class, I knew I was going to be in the minority. Um, specifically, minority meaning? Specifically on two fronts. Like first beliefs? Was, yes. I'm, first off, I'm a, I'm a male taking yeah. this class. So I knew that there probably wasn't going to be very many males. Sure. Um, the second was uh, I'm a right-leaning guy. And thirdly, I'm a Christian. Sure. Um, in the religious studies department, there's a uh, plethora of religions that come through there. So I was, I was ready. Um, I knew I, what I was getting myself into as... And by that, I'm saying that my beliefs were going to be challenged by others. That's great. Um, and so I took this class specifically um, in order to learn others' viewpoints um, and also to strengthen my own. So That's great. Yeah. I mean, Dude, I, honestly, kudos to you that for, for jumping into a class where you know that your belief system would be challenged, that, that you were willing to be wrong if if the case that, uh, came to you being wrong that you were you were accepting um the challenge and so honestly i think that that's that's a wonderful inspiration for for many of us so we were talking a couple of the things that you learn that you're learning in that class really revolve around sexism especially sexism within religion especially sexism <laughs> within Christianity and so that that's gonna uh, we're gonna talk about that here going forward our first resource is actually um, it's not directly talking about sexism within the church but it's a uh, it's a little excerpt from Roxanne Gray now she writes this article called what we hunger for now Roxanne this this is a testimony of a, a very traumatic experience that she went through, um, very horrific um, trauma with with a group of of young men who abused her, uh, and and so the testimony that she's sharing is she's she's talking about this very um, dark moment in her past, and and here now in the present, she states. Um, that she just doesn't feel strong anymore. She feels like there's been a majority of of her dignity that was taken away in that experience, and now she no longer feels strong as a woman. Uh, A quote that I, I thought was very intriguing from this, she says, just because you survive something does not necessarily make you strong, which is, um really interesting because I think that we are just living in a cultural moment where everybody says, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But but Roxanne is saying, hey, just because you survive something, it doesn't m- make you strong. She actually feels weaker. So um, she, she the reason that she's writing this is because she's saying, hey, because something has been taken away from her, now she feels powerless. She doesn't feel uh, dignified. And us as men, what what's our role? So here's the question that I want us to briefly talk about before we get into the next uh, the next resources that that kind of get more towards our, our theme of the episode. But hey, what is our responsibility um, first as as human beings, and then secondly as men to care for and to empower 
people like Roxanne, people who feel powerless, people who feel undignified. What What's our role, Cody? <clears throat> Dude, I would say it's like a... There's a point where we need to be able to take initiative um, and lead uh, as men. Um, and this is kind of going back to the women in religion class. Um, people think religion is very uh, restrictive to women. Um, and I say that it's not. Um, I, let me take that back. Religion mainly is restrictive. Christianity is not. Okay. Um, in order for us to care for her, we need to be able to realize that um, men and women were created differently for different roles. That is how God made us. Um, and in that, they're both empowering to that certain gender and be able, being able to glorify God. So, for instance, the supportive role and the leading role. Uh, culture does not like those two words being associated with a singular sex. Mm. They just don't. Um, they look at the supportive role as less, um, as inferior, and the leading role as superior um, and oppressive. But that's just the definitions that we ourselves have put on it. Um, there is so much more to that, to those two words. Sure. Um, I would say that, you know, in the beginning, Genesis, God made man, and it was not good for man to be alone. So, God didn't say, oh, like, I'm just going to give him somebody that's about equal. Like, you know, that's, like, just there to sure. kind of just be there with him. No, like, he needed somebody that's stronger than him, that's better than him, um, in so many ways, to support him, to be there for him, to be an encourager, to be a nurturer, um, to be unique, to be um, just so many just attributes that we ourselves as men are not. Sure. Um, and so in order for us to help Roxanne encourage her in where and what she is creationally being there for her um, and letting her know that she is loved that she is important yep. um, yeah I uh, hearing you talk I, I agree in, in a lot of sense but I, but I also just want to first recognize that a lot of our listeners are probably um, on a variety of, uh, you know, under beliefs of on creation or roles that men and women have, and so um, before we go any further, I, I want to just say that this is um, our intent <clears throat> for this conversation is to um, kind of hash out what what we believe, uh, but we're also I there's there's rooms for. Mm. for comments and, and for people to to um respond to this podcast and so I, I do I wanna hear from from other people and and there's also so much room just for <clears throat> grace on our part. 
we don't know everything. Oh, of course not. Like, yeah. Especially Dan. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, okay, so I, what I hear you saying in terms of these roles that, that you're talking about is Roxanne, in some ways, doesn't need men. She needs women. Yes. And she needs women to to step up and and care for her. She she also writes later in this excerpt that that she went back to school and and girls were calling her slut and uh, and the the teacher looked at her in, in disgust and so I, she thought that word had gotten out. But but kind of what you're saying is to best care for Roxanne in this moment is she needs strong. She's leading women around her yeah um like a support group or uh, maybe women who have been through similar things who have um who have been through just really traumatic experiences to come around her and say hey we understand and we've we've come to understand that like this is a part of their testimony as well and and speak into her life mm-hmm. in a way that a, a man you know that just cannot can't that, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I don't think that... Just like going off what you said, it's like there's not a point for a male to be stepping into this role of security, of just being pouring safe, into yeah. her. Because like, that's not what we're called to do. Sure. Women are supposed to help women, and men are supposed to help men. And encourage them whenever you're, and to help them and to spur them on and to just be good fellowship and community for them. Sure. Be good friends um, when they need to be. It's, it's unhealthy if a male is helping a female whenever she is going through a hard time, I would say. Yeah, there's some like codependency in, and stuff. Yes. Dude, let's, uh, let, let's, let's head back on track because we, we need to, uh, yeah, we need to kind of come back to the theme. What's that? Went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. That's okay. That's what this is all about, my friend. Dude, um, let's look at it from a Christian perspective. Um, we're going back to the overall theme. Is the Bible a tool for oppression or liberation? And so... If I might be honest with you, Cody, if I'm hearing what you just said and I'm a listener, I'm thinking, dude, you're actually, you're proving the point that Mm. your, your belief system is oppressive and it is, it's dividing the, the gender between man and, and woman. And, you know, there's, there's some maybe some of our listeners who would even say hey there aren't even just two genders so we're going to we're going to go back and look at this from a, a biblical lens and we're going to look at it and say hey how does the founder of our faith Jesus Christ approach topics like sexism okay is that cool oh yeah okay let's do this okay so let's let's uh let's talk about uh, an article that I found called Exploring How the Bible Talks About Men and Women. Scary. Um, so, 
the Jewish and the Christian religions grew out of a world where men dominated in, in all of the areas of life. I mean, uh, politics, religion, economy, uh, and the home. So everywhere, we're, we're just living in a patriarchal uh, society when the Bible is written. So everyone assumes that it's true that women and slaves and children uh, were just, you know, less than human in some sense. They, they were simply just the possessions of mm -hmm. men. So, um, like I said, that's called a patriar patriarchal society. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Which is what most of the world still is still is right exactly and so um yeah many societies in, in the world today are still operating mm -hmm. on the same assumption that males are superior and we're seeing uh that maybe even in the ways that we grew up that we've kind of adhered to some of these assumptions and and now being here in college we're learning that not everyone's okay with that so we need to deal with questions like that um, let's look at this from how, again, the, the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ, uh, let's see how he approaches this. Um, I, I have some bullet points that were talked about in this article, exploring how the Bible talks about men and women. And these are true. You can look at these in the gospel stories of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible. But Jesus... He spoke to women in public uh, at the risk of being publicly disgraced. He had women as close friends. He discussed theology with them. He trusted women with the news of his resurrection. Mm. Uh, they were the first ones on site when he resurrected. He affirmed in, in the courage. He affirmed the courage of a woman with a... Oh, crud. I don't know how to say that. Men, menstrual? Pardon my ignorance. <laughs> you know, the womanly dysfunctions of their... She has shirt. Yep. Okay. Uh, he challenged women's traditional service roles when he told Martha and Mary, two of his best friends, that they had the right idea um, when she preferred to sit and talk with him and learn from him rather than doing the housework. Uh, that's one of my favorite stories when he invited these women uh, to learn and be a part of something much bigger than just staying at home and cleaning. Mm. Um, he scolded his disciples when they would not let children come to him. And he put children at the center of things. Um, he criticized authoritarian leadership. So you get the idea. We're, we're seeing that Jesus... Um, is actually against sexism um, and the oppression of women. He was very, very engaged with with women around him. So, dude, yeah, I think I was reading through the Gospels about a month ago, um, and I was just I kept seeing at the end, whenever Mary was the first one there yep. after the resurrection, and I was like, there has to be something significant about this sure like you said Jesus Christ the perfecter of our religion is the fulfillment of it all 
he chose a woman to deliver this news back to his disciples. A group of men who were cowering behind doors, terrified, questioning what they were going to do. Yep. I think that is incredibly important. (laughs) This is so true. (laughs) Incredibly important just to see and realize that how strong they really are and how liberating Christ was to women. Dude, answer me this. Just be honest. Are Christians, are some Christians sexist? Oh, 100%. You think so? I do. I, I as well do. I also think that some Christians are very feminist. I think there's extremes on both ends. Yeah, yes, but, but for the sake of our argument, yeah. our discussion, are there Christians who are sexist? 100%. I, I agree with that. And from, from what the Bible tells us about who Jesus is, literally the founder of Christianity, was he a sexist? No. Was so, so, what? Wait, you said, was Christ? Jesus, yeah. yeah. No. So, what happened? I think it's just, our, and this, Dude, people, will say that, people will say that this is just a cop-out, an excuse, and it's not. It's just, mankind's sin. We get things twisted, we get things wrong, and I mean, we'll talk about it, how we got some things wrong, with yep. enslaving Africans later on. Yep. And I mean, chime in on this, but like some people do get power hungry. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And I oh, think yeah. that's where the pride, um, the control, um, and people wanting to, um, lead others, especially when they are not qualified or ready. I think that is when a lot of these um, sexist attributes start to sink in. Like in churches and stuff? Yeah, big time. Uh, Yeah, I would agree. It's power hungry. I mean, that is essentially the heartbeat behind human beings. We want to be in power. We want to be in power. We want the universe to revolve around us. Mm -hmm. And so... I mean that that goes for for me, that goes for you, that goes for all of our listeners. It's just the fact that we are born with natural tendencies to be selfish, to be prideful, and that has trickled down. I mean that that's been the anthem for in, in humankind for all of you know the world's history, oh, and yeah. so Christians get this wrong. We we. I'll tell you what happens is Christians become sexist and we're going to talk about it too. They become racist when we stop actually looking at Jesus. We, we, we become self-focused. We become more concerned about our agendas as Christians and, and making sure that people have our same beliefs or we want to convert people to Christianity. I would uh, say it's even more so we stop looking at Christ and start looking at our parties, our political parties. Sure, yeah. I mean, you can insert anything there. And when you, when Christians, I'm speaking directly for Christians, when we put anything above Jesus as our authority, when, we, when you put your political party as your mm-hmm. main authority, if you, if you 
I mean, even this, if you put your church and your church's beliefs as your main authority and not Jesus, that is exactly when you start having Christians who are sexist. It is when you start working out of your own agenda and what you believe is true and you stop looking at, at Jesus. I mean, we just talked about how Jesus treated women. And if you're a Christian, you need to be treating women like Jesus treated women. Plan, plan as that. So, dude, we're already running 24 and a half minutes, so let's keep it going. So, would, would you say, question, is, uh, is the Bible a tool for liberation or oppression? Liberation. Liberation. Interesting. Getting dicey out here. You love to hear it. Okay. <laughs> let's, uh, let's keep it rolling. Okay, speaking of liberation, we're going to talk about slavery. Now, this is a topic that we have struggled with. You and I, Cody and Dan. We have been struggled with. We've been struggling with this because really ever since... Yeah, yeah. Lots of long conversations throughout the nights saying, Hey, where do we need to stand firm and where are we wrong? Where are we literally just ignorant and wrong and we're just continuing to... Just straight blind. Exactly. So, please... To all of our listeners, have patience with us, and we are, like I said, we're still diving into the conversation. We are learning, so give us a little bit of grace. (laughs) Sure, sure, let's do it. Okay, how Christian slaveholders used the Bible to defend slavery is a book that we're going to be looking at today. That That is honestly super scary of a title. How Christian slaveholders used the bible to defend slavery it's also it's scary but it's also like how stupid oh oh sure okay this is written by noel ray um we're going to take this hard question uh and make it even harder again is the bible a tool for liberation or oppression so here we go during the period of american slavery how did slaveholders manage to balance their religious beliefs with uh, like the cruel facts of the peculiar institution? Out of the more than like three quarters of a million words in the Bible, Christian slaveholders, um, they would define themselves as Christian. I mean, people who are literally abusing, manipulating owning human beings would call themselves to find themselves as Christians and so here here's what the the book was talking about one of their favorite passages to quote came from the apostle Paul's epistle to the Ephesians we're going to look at Ephesians 6 5 through 7 um, here it is quote servants be obedient to your masters um Obedient to them that your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Okay, I'm going to break that down. Servants ought to be obedient to 
to their masters, just as they are obedient to Christ. Um, so slave owners would take Ephesians 6 out of context and use the same words that Paul is writing to the Ephesians as a, as a way to oppress their slaves and demand their allegiance, demand um, that, that they, they work hard, that they please the master, and... Like you said before... Dude, how do we respond to this? Yeah, like you said before, it was like a... They started trying for their own agenda. Yeah, absolutely. They stopped looking at Christ and how Christ treated people um, and started just taking things incredibly out of context. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So they, they take these words of Paul... And they start to say, hey, let's use it for our own. <laughs> we're going to oppress these people. We're going to abuse these people because that's what, what Paul is saying uh, we should do with Christ. And so here's, here's the response that I think that Christians need to come into and say, no, that's wrong. That is so wrong for for Christians to use this type of passage to oppress people. And here we're going to, again, look at the founder of Christianity, Jesus. Um, while I was preparing for this episode, I, I was honestly kind of shocked that Jesus, Jesus never talks about the political institution of slavery. Um, he he doesn't mention it, and so we I, you know, there's some backlash in saying, well, Jesus actually didn't care about the slaves. He, he, if he didn't talk about them, he didn't care about them. But I think that that's absolutely false, and he cares more about slavery than mm-hmm. almost any other topic. But he comes from it from a, a different point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking about slavery to sin that's what we call spiritual slavery and so john 8 32 and 36 goes as such jesus is talking with his disciples and he says then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free and they answered we are abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone i'm sorry did i say he's talking to his disciples he's talking i'm sorry it's a crowd of, of jewish men and women i'm sorry So he says, the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, very truly I tell you that everyone who slaves, or sins, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus is claiming that Everyone who sins is a slave. What I mean, what a what an audacious claim that it's just so far out. Gosh, we're going back to the nineties. Far out, dude. Um, dude, how? What do you think? Jesus is saying that all who sin is a slave. What do we? Yeah. What do we think? Dude, I mean, I think from the very beginning, Genesis three. Uh, the fall of man, um, mankind. 
um, is when sin first came into the world. And ever since then, through that one man uh, being Adam, there has been sin. Um, There is original sin from as soon as we come into the world and we are slaves to it. There is no way for us to break out of this slavery except through one man. And that one man is Jesus Christ. Um, so, like you said before, like I think he maybe not inherently said anything about human slavery. Yeah. And yeah. that's because there was a much bigger pressing issue that was lying behind it all. True. And that was the that's spiritual a, slavery. That's a great point. Of us looking at it as if we are better than one another. Dude, some could argue that the slave owners, and I actually firmly believe this, that the slave owners that used such passages against their slaves were actually more enslaved. Oh, 100%. Dude, here's what we mean by spiritual slavery. So the bondage of of sin, the Bible teaches that, that the punishment for sin is eternal separation from God. And, uh, and here on earth, that doesn't make it any easier. I mean, this is the, the Jesus that we're talking about right here and now. Is This is a Jesus that we see over and over mm-hmm. extend liberation. And that is this freedom that you don't have to perform. You, the work is finished by Jesus. And so what that means is it's that you don't... through grace and grace alone. Dude, you, I'm, I have peace. I have... Joy. I have fulfillment. I, I don't have to do these things. I mm-hmm. don't have to look over my shoulder and make sure that I'm doing everything right all the time. I don't have to be uh, perfect because Jesus was perfect in my place. And so there, sin is oppressing. I mean, in any sense, you, sin is a weight that is too big for I can't carry that. And so what Jesus is talking about, you're exactly right. That There's a way bigger issue at hand. And this is the issue of sin. We're gonna, I mean, we talked about it at the beginning, but when... I think, yes, and I also think that this is like, in America's history, I think this is one of the devil's biggest... Um, scheme? Scheme. That's a great sure. word. Um, one of the devil's biggest schemes on in American history is making Christians back then think, oh, this is what it means. And Twisting just, truth to make it... 100%. Dude, could that still be the case today? For, in some cases. I think with, like we, like we were saying... To oppress going women. for our own agenda, yeah, I think that is massive. Dude, it's very hard to find a church these days, especially in this area, the Bible that, Belt area, that takes God's word, the Bible, and uses it as the supreme authority. We 100%. twist it, we make it to match our own agendas, and then use it to oppress other people. You like we like we've said, if you look at who Jesus was and what he did there's nothing about Jesus of Nazareth the Christ 
that was oppressive to people. There was nothing. I mean, I mean, I mean very, very last and thing that I'll say about this, and then okay, go, go, um, I want to say one more thing. There, there. I mean, on his one when he was dying on the cross, there's a man who's on the cross next to him, a robber, a thief, who is on the cross with him, and and there's this moment that we see this robber is he says remember me he there, there's this moment where he looks at jesus and says there's this repentance he says i'm sorry remember me and jesus this is this man i mean there's no reason for us to believe that this was a good guy no he was on the cross right next to him. which is an ex like he was facing it's punishment for crimes yeah and and jesus looks at him and says hey surely today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus is forgiving this thief on a cross who's dying for his for I mean he's a he's a bad man. And and Jesus and in the world's eyes, he is a bad man. Yeah, yeah. I mean he deserved to die. And yeah. and Jesus looks at him in his final moments and he says to this man, Hey, I'm s I will set you free. You'll be with in paradise with me. And that is the type of that like, I mean, he, that, he, that, he that should do anything. anything. No, I mean, if that's he not... All he needed to do was believe in his heart truly and fully, just not knowing his head. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Last thing that you said, and then we'll move on. I was just going to say with how you're saying, like, in today's churches, especially around here, it's hard to find that church that takes the Bible for what it is. God's Word. The, there's a word that I like, and it's inherency. It's the just complete inherency of God, and this is his living word, and this is inerrancy. In, yeah. Inerrancy. What I say? Inerrancy. Did I really? Yeah. Whoops. Inerrancy meaning no errors. Is yeah. that what you mean? Yeah. Wow. We love to hear it. So just to put just two guys making just, mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> inerrancy. Mm. There we go. That's what I was meaning. Yeah, I got you. So, <laughs> and we we take that and we're like, oh, well, this is my own agenda and. That's completely inerrant as well, but it's not. We put it, we put it up there with God's word, and that's just not it. Dude, we are all broken people. Dead. <laughs> I would say. Bad, bad. Yeah. All right, man. Okay, we're gonna keep going yeah, on with yeah. the theme of anti-slavery. So let's look at a speech by Frederick Douglass that he spoke on July Four, Independence Day, of eighteen fifty-two. Quick historical note. My boy. <laughs> um, historical note is that the uh, the Civil War had not taken place, and therefore the liberation of slave slaves has not come to the United States yet. Um, so he's he's asked to speak on independence, and he says, uh, I mean, he starts. This is a very long speech, but there was a couple things that I thought was very tough to juggle he says this um this meaning his speech for the purpose of this celebration is the fourth of july it's the birthday of your national independence and of your political freedom this to you is what the passover was to the emancipated people of god speaking of the israelites um and their liberation from slavery in Egypt. Egypt. And then he says, fellow citizens, pardon me. Allow me to ask, why am I called upon to speak here to you today? What have I, or those I represent, 
meaning the African-American community, what do we have to do with your national independence? The blessings in which you this day rejoice are not enjoyed in common. The rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not by me. The sunlight that brought life and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice, I must mourn. Wow. That is... That's a dagger. That's a dagger. And here we go. This is, we're going to continue our tough Mm -hmm. conversation. Dude, I think that there is similarities today. I know that there, that, that... the uh, African Americans were enslaved in 1852, but here we are in 2021, and whether Africans, whether what, Africans were enslaved. Well, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, and by 1852, there had been yeah. multiple generations of them. Yeah, I mean, this sure, has been sure, going sure, on for sure. hundreds of years at this point. So, for generations, now they've become African Americans, and and uh, whether you and I agree. Or disagree, like it or not, or if we like it or not, this is the anthem that we've been hearing for the past few years. I mean, political unrest is is still here, mm. and and there I I'm not verbatim, but there I mean in our classes we've heard very similar excerpts saying, hey, the the justice, liberty, prosperity, independence that you have are not shared by all. Americans. So, dude, how do we, as white Christian men, approach this with the question at hand, is the Bible used for, as a tool for liberation or oppression? Yeah, like I said, the devil's biggest scheme in America was, and still is today, for certain things, is making us realize making us think not even realize think that this is that that part of scripture was for that was this oh it is okay to enslave these people it's okay to do this it's okay to do that when it's not i think living up to what we have done not even we that's the thing that i that i personally struggle with is that it's not us that's oppressing people. It is not us that is enslaving people. Us meaning white, white Christian men. men. Okay. It's not us that are doing these things. Okay. And you know. So uh, so you're just saying that that like because you're a white middle class Christian man, people today are pinning pinning this, all this the the, the blame on, on us. Yeah. Okay. Which is, okay, all right, I understand. You need somebody to point the blame at to fight, to figure out a problem. Okay, but who, who is to blame? Is there anyone to blame today? I think today? the person to blame is... The, the slave The holder. slave owners. And what they did was terrible. Okay. What they did was wrong. 100%. I am not... Here, saying, oh, no, like, listen, like, let's... It's okay. It is okay. Uh, yeah, it's okay. not. Here's the thing. For now, uh, 
I mean, 150 years, we haven't had a slave owner and we haven't had a slave um, legally here in the United States for the past 150 years. But there are still systems in place that are oppressive to people groups. Namely, here, we're talking about African Americans. So, whether, whether we know it or not, that is what they're saying. I mean, we, we, we've never experienced that. Yeah. So, so but, but, but that is what they're saying. So, how do we as Christians respond to that? We can't just say, no, it's not. Figure no. it out. It's not our fault. Exactly. But, and, but I agree with you. I've never, I've never owned a slave. You've never owned a slave. I never thought about owning a slave. <laughs> sure. But we have a responsibility. I as, think we do. As people who believe in, in the gospel, mm-hmm. who we sit under the authority of the Bible. So the Bible, God's word, we follow Jesus in how he responds to people who are hurting. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't sit there and tell these people I mean we, we, we don't have enough time but we could walk through it's, the it, entire this gospels be, this could be hours of conversation sharing stories about Jesus he doesn't he doesn't make people who are hurting give an explanation no he, and he doesn't also look down upon no, them no 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 hurting. The, one of the best stories of Jesus is the, is the woman who is accused of of um Sexual immorality. Yeah, sexual immorality. Exactly. Prostitution. And there's a bunch of people out there in that culture. The punishment for that was to be stoned. Yep. And Jesus comes up to her. And what does he do? He kneels down in front of the... This, this is, is the... Go this ahead. is after... This is like just giving us back backstory of the woman at the well. Is Jesus is after um, just a massive... He came up to the well and he he's he sank down into the sand. He was tired. He was beat. He was just dog tired. This was after hours of his healings, his miracles, um, just all his ministry. And back then, you know how easy it would have been just to see a woman and say, "Oh my, like get away from me," especially of Samaria. Like they they didn't have any. Sure, it was just like culture. It, it was a that's cultural what you difference. Just expected for him to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first off, she was a woman. First off, she was from Samaria, which is Jews and Samaritans just didn't did work not. together. No, they didn't talk to one another. Like the Samarian, the Samaritans were looked at as dirty, unclean people, and they thought Jews were the same. Yeah. yeah. So Jesus, counterculturally, just completely. Wipe that out. He he crossed all, all political, boundaries. gender boundaries and said he cared more about the woman and said, "Hey, I want I want to know you. I he want to know you." Spiritually story. and hol- holily, just gave everybody the bird. <laughs> he did. You, I can. No, he didn't. No, 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 he did. No, Cody, he didn't. Hundred percent. I don't. I just for our listeners to be totally clear. Listen, I don't think Jesus. <laughs> I don't think Jesus flipped anybody no, spiritually, not emotionally, or but physically. But in our terms today, yeah. he basically 
Uh, defi- just defied cultural norms. Yeah. We could have said that or something. Sure. That's hilarious. Dude, yes. Yeah, so so I think that the if we're going to use if we're going to sit under the teaching and authority of the Bible, then we need to step into these conversations about systemic racism, about uh police brutality we need and racism that's currently and whether whether we know it or not whether we believe it or not or whether we i to be honest i don't like i don't care if you're a christian and you follow jesus then you're going to enter into those conversations and say hey i don't need to know i don't need to know all the backstory just because you say things are not fair or hey just because you say I'm hurt and I need to see some change. That should be the only thing they that we hear say and that. say, okay, I'm with you. I'm on your team and I want to know how we can care for you. I want to know how we can make this right. I want mm-hmm. to know how I can treat you like Jesus treats people who are hurting, people who are distressed, people who are oppressed, mm-hmm. and he liberates them. And so it is actually... He brings them up. He doesn't push them down. Absolutely. Further I wouldn't say that we just need to tolerate these conversations. I say that we have a responsibility as white Christian men to enter into these conversations. I think you should embrace them. With hum- and that's a, yeah. We, we need to have humility and say, hey, I'm listening. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. I, my ears are not closed. My eyes are not... Closed. And we don't have to have the answer. We're not going to. They don't need to hear an answer from us. They don't need to hear. They need to be heard. 100%. Dude, last resource we're going to talk about is uh, Sojourner Truth. Just what a wonderful woman. What a wonderful name. This beautiful. Um, she also, we're going to look at a quick speech. Oh, man, we are going on a long time. This is a great conversation. Thanks, Cody. Um, the, the speech is called, Aren't I a Woman? Ain't I a woman? Question mark. Is this speech, uh, or in this speech, she's a liberated woman. She's been freed from, from slavery. And she's fighting against the institution of slavery and sexism. And so here's here's some quotes that I'm going to read verbatim for Do us. Do this was? What's that? Do we know when this was? Oh, that's a great question. Just back. That I don't know. Back the answer. Then. Back then. All right. That worked. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. I want to say a few words about this matter. I am a woman's right. I have as much muscle as any man, and I can do as much work as any man. I have plowed and reaped and husked and chopped and mowed, and can any man do more than that? I have heard much about the sexes being equal. I can carry as much as any man and can eat as much too, if I can get it. I am as strong as any man that is now. First of all, before I go further, what a fiery woman. She is. You can she hear passion. Passion. You can, you can hear, hear it in the words. You can hear it in the words. She said I can eat as much as any man. I, I can eat a lot. I know, but I believe it. I believe it. 100%. Yeah, she's coming. She said, I can't read, but I can hear. I have heard the Bible, and I have learned that Eve caused man to sin. Well, if a woman upset the world, do give her a chance to set it right side up again. The lady has spoken about Jesus, how he never spurned woman from him, and she was right. When Lazarus died, Mary and Martha came to him with faith and love and besought him to raise their brother and 
Jesus wept, and Lazarus came forth. And how come Jesus and how came Jesus into the world? Through God who created him and the woman who bore him. Man, where was your part? <laughs> Fire. <laughs> but the woman the women are coming up, blessed be God, and a few of the men are coming up with them. But man is in a tight place. The poor slave is on him, woman is coming on him, he is surely between a hawk and a buzzard. End quote. Wow. She really is wrapping up our conversation. 100%. She is she is saying, Hey, I mean basically what First we've off, already talked about, she says, Hey, Women, I mean, she's strong. She's a leader. She is out here to, you know, put her name out there. Secondly, she's saying, hey, let's look at the Bible. Let's look at what Jesus did. Exactly what we talked about at the beginning is that Jesus liberated women. So same thing applies to her today. Jesus has liberated her. She is free. And now she's speaking against men, white men in particular, who are oppressing slaves and oppressing women and she says the the last sentence of this is she said he is surely between a hawk and a buzzard meaning dude you're screwed you're 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 not doing this well at all and so she and i think right there she's right one of her might have been in the middle-ish beginning um she said that eve created sin uh, I have heard in the Bible and have learned that Eve caused man to sin. Boom. Some people that are listening might not know the Bible. They might have never read it, and that's okay. So let's just go back to that part of Eve ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. Okay. She was tempted by she was tempted by the serpent in yep. the garden. Therefore, she was tempted to eat the fruit. Then yes, looking at that for its face value, you could say, "Wow, Eve, the female, you just screwed the pooch." But but that's not it. Cody, keep going. I hope you're going where I think you're going. I'm not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you better be going where I think. Close it up. Go. But looking at that, you say, "Women is the problem." But that's not it. That's not it. We can look at that and say, also, man did not do his part where, either. Where were you? Where were you? You... Adam, you selfish... Dude. Selfish... Passive. Dude. He was passive. Passive. He wasn't initiative. Oh, He man. was scared. He was cowardly. He was not leading. He was all these things because he didn't think that he was good enough. He wasn't placing his identity... In God. At all. Sure. So. That's what I'm going to say about that. Dude. It's not just women. Definitely not. And that's what no. she said. I mean, yeah. I mean, that she said she heard in the Bible. I don't know. This is, I don't know if someone had told her the story that because Eve ate the fruit, then women are to blame for sin. That's just not, not true. Mm-mm. I mean. It's mankind. Sure. And the servant. Sure. Um. Dude, the Bible is a tool used for liberation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at two very specific hard topics with sexism and he, racism. I want to say, yeah, he liberated women. We can see that throughout the Gospels. Yep. Jesus was going counterculturally against everything. Jesus himself was 
in that minority. He was a Nazarene. Nazarenes were not looked up to at all. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> he, they were they were looked down upon. Yeah. Like I said, they were same kind of the same thing with the Samaritans almost. They were like looked down upon as like unclean. In the temple, they weren't allowed to go in there. Um, so like all the way, I th- I don't think, maybe again, but Jesus himself was a minority. He wasn't. Dude, yeah, he could definitely relate. He, he yeah, hundred percent. So, dude, I love it. Jesus, Jesus really does. He came to liberate. He came to. We're, we're looking at that politically with sexism and racism but like we said here in this episode the most important thing about Jesus Christ is that he came to liberate all humans black, white, male female and everything and anything between mm-hmm. What whoever you are if you've made it 56 minutes and you're still listening we hope yeah, that you are time. we hope that you are because the best news that you'll ever hear is that Jesus Christ has come for you to liberate you, to set you free, that you would know him and know the fullness of freedom mm-hmm. now, today, and for the rest of eternity. That That's the truth, and that's what the Bible talks about. That is who God is, the God of the Bible. That's who Jesus is, is that he came for you, and Cody, for me. It's a free gift. There's nothing that we can do. Absolutely. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, just to kind of close us off. It is for by, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Dude, that's great, man. Wow, we planned for this conversation to go 20 to 30 minutes, and we are going on an hour, and I think that there is no mistake there because that was a really good conversation. Cody, thank you for joining me today. That is... Um, these are hard conversations that we need to be able to, uh, what was the word that you embrace. embrace? I love it. That we need to learn how to embrace these and enter into conversations. And I with think there's growth on both parts as well. Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm, yep. I'm sitting here and I can grow in so many areas yep. of just listening. Yep. Of just being quiet. Yep. Of just understanding. Yep. So, that, so. yeah. All right, man. Well, Cody, Appreciate you, bro. Um, let's maybe go eat some lunch or something. And we'll sign off here. Episode 2, overall theme, is the Bible a tool used for oppression or for liberation? Conclusion for episode 2, liberation. Liberation, baby. All right. Amen. We'll see you out here at some point for episode 3.